0: Thanks for tuning in to the Equip Podcast. My name is Jeff Christ. I'm the lead pastor of Gateway Assembly. We're so excited to bring you some leadership principles and practices to equip you in your calling. We believe that you can do what God has called you to do. So let's
1: get right into it. Okay, boys, we're excited to talk about this one. Let's talk about... Coaching. Ooh, yes. Can't wait. You said you're pumped for this one. I'm pumped. Man. Okay. So tell me, uh, y'all played sports. What sports did you play growing up? Or can you can you play them now? Can your body even do them now? <laughs>
2: Let me tell you what, you gave me a Motron 800, I can play just about anything.
1: That's good. That's all it takes. Well, what sports but... did you play?
2: Well, I played quite a bit. I played a lot of football, a little bit of basketball, wrestling, but uh, baseball is probably my favorite, my best.
1: Yes, I remember a previous episode you beat up your baseball coach. Yes, is that why yes. it's your favorite?
2: That's partially
1: why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what sports did you play? Soccer. Soccer. Didn't love you play football
0: growing up too? I played football, but I really love soccer. I played it in college.
1: Is it because you passed out playing football? Did um, you get hit and passed out or something? Yeah,
0: I made the <laughs> I made the big hit right at the end. And save the whole uh, uh, city, uh, you know. <laughs> so like, I saved my whole he still, city. Record. He still has the date and time of that too. <laughs> but uh, no, I really enjoyed um, all state uh, and soccer.
1: Oh yeah, soccer. So. That was awesome. Okay, you basketball. Basketball is
3: my first love.
1: You are a point night. guard. How tall are you? Six one. Six one. Okay, I, yeah. Yeah, that's Isaiah, good Isaiah was six one. Yeah. Okay, and was that your main sport?
3: Yeah, I played uh, football growing up, but but basketball. Uh, by the time I got to high school was, was where I put my energies. That's cool, Yeah, that's cool. And you got a star wrestler here. Wrestling man? <laughs> wrestling,
4: yeah, but that was my number one sport. Okay, all, did you do all, other sports or just wrestling? Nope, just wrestling. wrestling he's not car gonna car tell
3: you, David, state champion. You <laughs> were? Twice, but who's kind
4: of <laughs> <laughs> yes. Three-time finalist, two-time <laughs> state champion. Yes. I just went right, but, but right from
1: wrestling to wood speaking. carving. Hey, glad I didn't to want to say it. You know what?
0: You owe me But one, I wanted right? to hear
1: it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping you would mention that I was all conference. I did. I well. just said it. No, I yeah. just said he it. Did, he did. 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 I said you were. I didn't
1: know it was three years in a row. Yeah, man. Congratulations. He's yeah. um, <laughs> 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 killing you, man. Uh, Okay, great. I said we're going to have some fun. Yeah. Um, we're talking about coaching, and obviously now this is a season where in your leadership, you're coaching a lot. And we're gonna differentiate between just being a leader and what it really means to be a coach because there is a lot of dimensions to coaching. Reminisce for a second, uh, you growing up, I don't, give me an age, give me kind of like the time period it impacted your life. It could be positive or negative, a coach in your life because coaches hold so much weight. I remember playing soccer growing up, man, my coach, it was like life or death in the tongue. I like guess scripture says, man, That when that came out, I was either cloud nine, you know, Gatorade rookie of the year my freshman year, or Ooh. I was literally, I thought I'd toot my horn with you guys. Yeah. Or it was like, man, I'm just like the worst thing on planet earth. A coach has a lot of power. So you guys got any memories or the impact of a coach in your life? Lots of memories, man. Yeah, lots
3: of memories. So my, my memory from my high school coach, his name is Gene Snell, still living and uh, high school basketball coach. He was a disciple of Bobby Knight, speaking of another coach, total screamer, yeller, cursor. <laughs> and um, so I I was the only junior starter in our high school basketball team. And so everything that went wrong got blamed on me. At least that's the way it appeared to me. And uh, Gene Snell, one time we, we made a turnover and he called a timeout. And he was just screaming and cursing at me. And I, I grew up in a Christian home, so I wasn't <laughs> used to people dropping F-bombs on me and cursing me out. And he was just lay me, you know, verbally. And, um, and then after a while, he's like, Trask, you are the biggest, stupidest, pusillanimous I've ever met in oh, my life. My. What's a blue? And, what is that? I
1: can't even say pus- that word. So that's,
3: that's what I, I started laughing. Don't Google it. And don't it made him matter, You know, and he's like, what are you laughing at? I said, coach, I don't even know what a pusillanimous <laughs> is. <laughs> and he just went crazy. <laughs> pusillanimous is a cowardly type. Oh, wow. And uh, so oh, he course. thought I wasn't giving it all my heart. But you know what? I look back at his life. I called him up a couple of years ago. Just said, thanks. I worked through, because you spoke about verbal uh, verbalization from a coach. You know, when I hear people talk about life coaches, it doesn't always bring up great memories for me, because right, my right. coaches curse yeah. me out. But the ability a coach had, and I just thanked him. You know what? I worked through that yelling and screaming, and it made me, in great part, the man that I am today. I, I was able, kind of probably like a drill sergeant, Dave, able to work through that. And, okay, he's got the best... Yeah. Goals for me, but you know that uh, that's my story. Yeah, That's interesting. Pusillanimous.
4: <laughs> How about you guys? In seventh grade I went out for basketball fouled out in about a minute. 30. <laughs> <laughs> the, coach, the coach pulled me aside. He said Nate Just quit the team and go out for wrestling when you get in high school. Look at the, that's the, what he said. I did it. I said okay I'm done then and I was done <laughs> So my freshman year I had a coach who would just you know he, he would get out get out there and I <laughs> was the 98 pounder I weighed about 85 pounds He'd be like, Nate, just try not to get pinned, okay? Could you try and no, just try not to get pinned? So that was my goal. Well, my sophomore year, I got another coach. And after the first practice, he called me over. He said, what was your record last year? And I said, "You know, I was like, I don't know, four and 20 before I broke my wrist or something. He goes, man, I think you, this year you'll probably, you could be a state champion. Wow. And nobody, I did not even thought of anything like that. I was just trying to stay eligible. Yeah. You know, just try to uh-huh. stay on the team. And that guy worked with us, took Marinci two, three state championships. I was a state champ that year, and so was four other guys on our team. Wow. And we were at the bottom of the league in the wow. year before. Coaching is so important. It pulls something out of you, man, right. no one else can, That's so good. can do. He's That's an so incredible good. coach. You guys remember any
1: of your coaches?
0: Yeah, I, my coach in college, um, my first year I was playing um, in the back of defense uh, in soccer. And he just saw some abilities in me. He started really encouraging me, told me I had an incredible kick. Um, and he started training me with it and told me that I'd be better at right wing. And so I, I listened to him because he was coach. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went to right wing and I became all conference for all three years of playing right wing. Wow. And so his expertise, his just putting into my life Uh, Russ Sanders, and, um, uh, you know, just really impacted me during my uh, sports days. Yeah, it's fun. See, wow, it's a tough one for me. (laughs) How
3: about the guy you beat up? (laughs) That's That's an old
1: episode, (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's under
2: the blood. (laughs) Um, I didn't really have a a coach growing up in any sport that I can look back to and go, man, that guy really impacted my life.
1: Positively, you mean? Positively, right, yeah. Uh,
2: I remember ninth grade baseball, there was a rumor going around that the coach didn't think I would be in the starting lineup, and it leaked out to me. And we had to kind of, he was my gym teacher as well, so we had a pretty, pretty close relationship. So I went in his office, shut the door, and I was like, I'm here, you're telling people I, you don't think I can start. I don't think you can do it, Ange, I don't think you can do it. I ended up uh, hitting 520, and I led the city in hitting. Wow. And, uh, so that guy didn't read me very well. Yeah. Um, but I, nobody can control me. I had, I, I had I, you know, no self-control and no confidence. Hmm. So that one year, my confidence got a little high, so I played well. After I became a Christian, I started playing softball. Charlie, who was also my spiritual mentor, uh, was my uh, baseball coach, softball coach. And he just had a way of helping me to control my emotions and to, and to help me have confidence. Yeah and I could play one day, I kid you not. I'll go four for four with seven RBIs, two or three nice, beautiful plays in the field. The very next game, I'm all for four, can't catch a cold, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then Charlie would speak and he would just believe in me and wow. I ended up becoming a really consistent isn't that in, baseball player isn't, later.
1: Isn't that interesting? You can have all the skill, but if you have no confidence. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Mm. No confidence or soft control. Yeah, I couldn't you control can't, my
1: emotions. You can't deliver on it. Couldn't deliver. What I think yeah. is interesting in terms of leadership. We you know we talk sports, but coaching isn't just for sports. Right. Like this is so much bigger. When I think of a coach, you know, I think a lot of times when we think of all the different aspects of a coach, my coach, for instance, I remember in, uh, in high school soccer, uh, he's a German guy, he was going semi, he was a semi-pro goalie, going into pro, and in the, in the day basically where he was getting looked at, he blew out his knee. Somebody mm-hmm. slid in, blew out his knee, where he had a lot of skill. And a lot of times we think, well, the coach can teach based upon that, but it's interesting, a lot of times the coach is not the most skilled right. person no, no. Right. In, the, in, the, in the game, essentially. A coach just knows how to see what the rest of the players can't see. You think about even the way a coach leads, Many times we might say this phrase out front, but many times it's from the sidelines. Right. And a coach is given the opportunity for someone else to thrive, someone else to play the game that they love. And uh, I think of, I think an illustration I'd give is uh, like, The Golden State Warriors, especially the last couple years before, you know, COVID and all that stuff. You look at Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, you know, Steph Curry already labeled the most prolific shooter of all time. Already pretty still early enough in his career. They're saying he's the best shooter. Steve Kerr, great shooter, played with Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, now being the coach of Steph Curry. What I find so interesting is Steve Kerr is not a better shooter than Steph Curry, yet he's able to coach Steph Curry. And when I think of a coach, it's not somebody that necessarily can do it all, but it's somebody who has a perspective and can see it all. They see what you can't see. When Steve Kerr stands on the sidelines, he sees the whole court, and he sees what a player right there in the midst of the game can't see, And I, I kind of want to just like have us talk about this idea a little bit of coaching, breaking it down for people, um, whether you're a pastor, a leader, a, a business owner, whatever it is, how to coach people and how to get the best out of your organization. A coach, I'd kind of label as a multi-dimensional leader. There's really three aspects I want to break down. One is leadership, like leading people directionally, leading them where we're headed. Two is training them training them in a skill set, whether that's like you know, you know, when you shoot, you hold your follow through with your yep. hand or whatever it is, like training them in a skill. And three is mentoring them, mentoring them with wisdom, mentoring them like with the next step of where they're headed. Because I don't know how you guys would label this, but for me, I coach to win. Like when I played sports, Absolutely. I don't like losing. I want to win. And I think, I think as a leader and with Jesus, it's the same thing. We're coaching other people to win. Mm-hmm. We want to see people win. Share some uh, stories, maybe some different dimensions, some ways that you would say um, that you feel you've coached other people to win. You've set them up to win. You've strategically placed them. You've given them an opportunity. Is there any examples that you can think of where you've coached other people to win?
0: I could start off in um, my pastoral team. Uh, I have, most of my guys, I mean, they're just incredible preachers. And um, I always feel like it's my job to coach them to win when they're presenting God's word. And so, like, I'm going to use Pastor Paul, uh, early days, uh, because Pastor Paul's always a, a jokester. Just big time jokester, and um, in his early days, he would write sermons. It was nothing but a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, it was joke after joke after joke. I'm like, is there any scripture? <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it was just early days. I would sit him down and say, you know, Bud, you know, we're preachers. We're you know, we don't have to be. We, we you know, we can have a joke here and there, of yeah. course, and yeah, have fun with it. But um, but you know, I I would sit him down, and I would. Start talking to him, coaching him about, you know, being the um, shepherd, the prophet at times. You know, we wear a lot of hats when we we're preaching at times. And so I would coach him along those lines. Now it's turned into coaching all my pastors. Um, and they coach me. Hmm. And, uh, and that's what I love about it because I, I feel like if I am going to coach, I got to be coachable i love i think um, uh, pastor angelo shares something like that Mm -hmm. we we need to be coachable and um and so yeah i you know the pastors will sit down different times and uh they'll even share or i will share some of my best illustrations that i was going to use for a future sermon i'll give it to that guy because i want him to look good that's good i want him to preach well I want, I, I, you know, if I'm coaching him, I want him to score the winning point. And I know God's going to bless me with something else later on. And he always does. And so my team of pastors, we coach each other all the time. I really like
1: that thought.
0: Everybody's got their
2: coaching philosophy and or style. Um, I think that the best coaches are ones that are great with X's and O's and they also have great people skills. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, those are the best. If you can get a guy that knows the game real well and can be very strategic and can outsmart the other team, that's phenomenal. And if he can get into the players' heads and hearts and they love him and he's a people person, oh man, you got the best of both worlds. You know, um, now Charlie, who I brag about so much about, he was not really a strategist, he was more on on the people side. But as a pastor, you know, the last couple of years, this is a real current thing. We've been focusing a lot on, on the strategy, the vision, the the mission, the values, the culture, and you know the strategy that we're going to have. And I've discerned that we've gotten a little bit sloppy on the on, on the people side. Um, they don't know it yet, but 2021, I'm going to spend a lot of time with my staff talking about people skills and what it is, what it means to love on people and get them to see that you value them and that you care about them, kind of the shepherding end of it. Yeah. I feel like that's the season we're in. You know, we're, we've got all the organization, the structure's all there, we gotta get back to people. Yeah. And they need to know that we care about every detail of their life kind of a thing. So we're gonna, we're gonna shift a little bit in 2021.
1: That's good, people are the win, I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I, regarding the
3: coaching side, uh, in the leadership, I think good coaches, David, are people that really can assess situations. You know, you look at uh, Coach Izzo for Michigan State. The first thing that he does, he's an in-game, in-game strategist. Oh, and the whole word strategy is, um, is uh, the picture is based upon <clears throat> what the enemy is doing. That's what you want to do to counteract. And I, I look at that for coaches in uh, sports. They're always assessing. You know what? How what's a guy's strong suit wrestling? Or you know, what do word. they try and do uh, on the football field or on the soccer field? Or what, what's the strength? And you try and take away the strength like of it. your opponent. And I think uh, for us to understand, you know, there's a, a verse of scripture, it's, it's in the Chronicles that is, you can almost gloss over it. It says, the sons of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I, I think for us as coaches, spiritually, we need to be able to assess. We Good. talked about in a previous episode, you know what the need coming out of COVID, man for life groups and connections with the people to, to just continue to do the same thing with your game plan that you started the game with. I can't pastor. You, all these guys around the table are, are 20 year plus pastors at their location, 25 to 28 years that you can't pastor like you did 25 years ago. You can't even pastor like you did Two years ago, no, given, it, and you got to be a strategist <laughs> yeah. to understand. Hey, here's where we need to go, and then to uh, to share that to to uh, disaggregate, des- disaggregate that to your team. Here's what the situation is. Here's what we need to do. Good coaches good. are always sharing. That's good. I mean, you think
1: you think about that. I, I think you guys could probably say. This. I know wrestling; they don't have halves or anything like that, right? periods periods okay yeah. it's like so Hockey. three periods three periods so like i know for me soccer basketball that i played got halftime yeah and i think of my coach he he essentially lead us because right the coach let's talk about the coach as a leader he lead us like here's the vision basically here's what we're doing against this opponent i'm starting these players i'm, I'm running these plays yeah. you know a strategy yeah but look at how he has that strategy he puts out but then a, a True leader, when a coach is a leader, they recalibrate that contingent upon what's necessary in the game. So the way that my coach talked to me before the game might be completely different at halftime the way he talks to me. And depending on how the game ends will be completely different at the end. So what are the ways that you guys find yourself needing to recalibrate vision at times and, and deliver that? You know, I really feel like calibrated, I feel like calibrated vision is what people can rally around to have common mission. People can find, like, here's the common goal. Here's what we're going after when we're able to continually recalibrate that. So what's some things that you guys do, whether practically, spiritually, whatever it is, to rally people around a common mission? How do you find yourself maybe at team meetings or whatever it is, uh, rallying people and recalibrating the vision, like at halftime, to have the right strategy to lead them? I think you got to know, in wrestling, you got to
4: know your opponent.
1: So nowadays, you can watch... Their, face,
4: their parents' Facebook posts, and you can watch, you can get to know your opponent. Back then, you would just watch them wrestle, and you knew what the opponent was good at. If they were a thrower, you, you, your defense was a different way. If they stood up more, you knew what to do. I think the way that we rally people around our mission is we have to know our enemy and our opponent, and our opponent doesn't work the same completely all the time. That's right. In this day and age, what is our opponent? Discouragement, suffering, loneliness, Hopelessness, you know, and all the evil that can come from that. So, rallying our staff around, uh, like, we have the periods, you know, in wrestling. So, in 82, (laughs) in the semis, (laughs) I was thrown off the mat, knocked out cold on the gym floor. My coach runs over there and says, Open your eyes, look at me, don't act like that just happened, you know, because I eliminate need. And he goes, You have 20, you're four points behind, you have 21 seconds. You've got to get out there and throw him. You've got right. to throw him. You can do it. You've, st- you know, he gave me a different talk than in the first period. Like you said, yeah, it's yeah. good. So, it's like you get, you've worked hard for this. This is what you were bred for. This is why you live. This is why you exist to win at the last moment, and I, I did that. But it was very different from what he said when I went out there. Be careful. Watch his feet. Watch his right hand. You know, right. you're, you're doing all this other stuff. We have to know our opponent. Got it. And, and our opponent. Basically, he has the same game plan to kill, steal and destroy, but he also, in different seasons, is a little more strategic about what he's trying to do to to god's people. that's good and um, that's I true. think if we know the opponent <clears throat> better, we'll know which offense to
1: execute. If that makes true. any sense no, it's so good. anybody else you know i
3: I think too, on the coaching side, with what Nate stated, good coaches are always getting input too. With your staff, you need to constantly be listening as a coach. I know these guys do, I know your dad does with you and your brothers and the team, uh, David, that watch, watch a good basketball coach. They call a timeout based upon what the opponent's doing. Maybe the other teams had a string of points. They call a timeout to try and change the momentum. What do they first do? They don't go immediately to talk to the team. They go and they listen to their assistant coaches. What do you see? Here, here's what we're going to do. This is what I think we ought to do. And I think in this day and age, good coaches are always listening, saying, you know good what, point. boy, we, we, this is what's going on, and then go to talk to the, the greater base, the, the team, if mm-hmm. you will. Church, this is where we're going. But man, they got a big part of their input from the, the assistant coaches, the staff that's with good.
1: them. You can't, you can't lead unless you listen. You can't. I mean, that's, that's money yeah. right there, that's good.
2: Much more collabor- collaborative uh, mm-hmm. culture. If you're gonna coach effective teams in this day and age, you better be collaborative. Or maybe 20 years ago, you were the head coach and
0: whatever I say goes. That's that's a- I
2: love what you, what you said there because right. And it, I love it now because it's like now when I first started the church, for, I won't say it was, it was fully full throttle dictatorship, but there wasn't much of a team, you know. Yeah. And they just pretty much listened to me. Now it's, I've had to learn how to kind of adjust how I'm going to coach. Now I love it. I love listening to my team. They have great ideas. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately the buck stops here. I, I get all that. And then after I meet with my staff, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my elders and share the game plan with them a little bit. And then we're going to bring it to the congregation, Yeah, you know. Um, I, I do a pretty good job of making sure that my staff, my elders, my main leaders know the game plan. And I don't just show up on a Sunday morning and go, hey, we're shifting here at halftime. Yeah, right. You know, that just causes chaos. I've seen too many leaders do that, where they'll share stuff publicly, whether it's social media or on a Sunday morning to their whole congregation and their the leadership don't even really know what they're doing yet. Yeah. I'm not saying I haven't made that mistake, Yeah, but for the most part, we've done that real well.
1: That's good, that's a great thought.
0: I love, uh, I love that what they're saying, coaches have to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coaches have to listen. And same with what Pastor Angelo was saying, uh, it has taken a huge burden off of me now yeah. that I'm in this stage and I have uh, six other pastors that uh, I can work with, we're a team together. Like, for instance, uh, my creative pastor, Pastor Luke, came to me uh, a few years ago. Hey, um, I have a good idea because, see, he's over, under his portfolio, he's over all the volunteers of the church, he, and he came up with the title. He called it Serve Team, and so he said, Pastor, what do you think about um, myself, say, about 40 minutes before uh, the services start in the Sunday morning? Uh, Can I get all the volunteers together the ones that work in the serve team? Can I get all the volunteers together? Can I give them a pep talk? Can we have a worship a little worship song and uh, Just rally them together and let them know this is what we're about. This is what we're going after for the day Let's do it. I'm like awesome idea. Oh, he came up with that idea. I didn't think of that idea and uh, Just to rally the troops together great he now Assistant Coach spoke to me. I listened. Now I let him coach. Uh, another uh, idea he came up with: He goes, "Hey, what do you think about if we do serve? Call them Serve Awards, and do it around the time of uh, what? What do you call that? Academy Awards? Yeah. yeah. Hollywood Academy Awards. Do it around that time. Have a red carpet. Everybody dress up in their yeah. nice, nice stuff, you know, and and literally hand out. Have like, um, I think about twenty-five, like.
1: Servies—they're called servies. They're called yes. servie Servi awards <laughs> instead of Oscars. Yeah. Pick
0: yeah. out awesome. different ones, twenty-five. Uh, we have a huge serve team, volunteers, and um, and the people love it. We put on a, you know, back in our day they used to call it an appreciation banquet.
3: Yeah. You know, now yeah,
0: yeah. it's uh, serve awards. Same concept, but a little bit different twist to it. Yeah. And so it's constantly rallying the troops, but again, he spoke to me, I listened, I'm like, I like it. We're all about you know, being on the same team, the coach has to listen, and now mm-hmm. you go out and be a coach too.
1: I think that's so good though, this idea, it's almost like uh, new direction, fresh ears. You have to have fresh ears to be able to take on direction. You cannot readjust at halftime if you weren't listening to, whether it's assistant coaches like you guys reference, or all of these different things. We talk about the coach as a leader, Let's talk about the coach as a trainer. As a trainer, you're, um, you're zoning in on specific skills with them. You know, what's some things with wrestling just off the top of your head? What's a skill set of wrestling? I don't know anything about wrestling. Takedown. OK, so a takedown, what is that?
4: It's where you throw take them, them down. You throw them? No. You pin there them? They're different takedowns. They're there defensive takedowns. There's takedowns where you shoot for the leg, single leg, double leg,
1: arm drag, move the head. OK, you, you, get <laughs> you get my point. You get my point. So, I, know, I know nothing about it. So you could yeah. teach me a skill, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the coach as a trainer, I, when I heard takedown, I just thought, throw him on the ground. <laughs> that's, yeah. all, that's, right. all, that's, that's all. That's all. of it. That's all. That's, that's like, what like. my mom used to yell. <laughs> throw him down, throw him down. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> shut up, mom. <laughs> so sometimes a coach is going to say, see, OK, this player needs time put into them on this specific skill. Maybe they're great at dribbling, but their their jump shots off or you know maybe they're great on the defensive but not the offensive is that a thing in wrestling i don't don't really know wrestling at all okay Ah, so there's there's different things that a coach needs to zone in on let's uh just hear from you guys a little bit what are some of the ways the things you've seen things that you've gone off uh, after even practically where you've had to invest skills into people for instance let me give an example you're very technologically savvy so you in the beginning had to invest some of those skills into your team members so that they could grow in that field because if they didn't you have to keep doing it ultimately isn't that isn't that the goal is to raise people up so that we can stay in our lane with what we're called to do so others can do what they're called to do so what are some of those things that maybe in your time of leadership and coaching that you've seen hey that's a skill this is how I zone in on it
3: I think uh, for for me, David, is one of the skills from my history at the church. We've sent out 12 different lead pastors, 13 now actually. But I think to teach them a full orb of their gift package. And one of the things that I feel is a a strength of mine, but it isn't um, prevalent within uh, leadership culture is the ability to handle money and uh, finances, we talked about that in a previous episode, but the fact is that I wanna teach that skill, you know what, that you don't wanna get yourself in financial arrears, you don't wanna uh, have trouble, and and so that'll cause you issues where people will question the rest of your leadership right. if you can't handle money properly, and so yeah. um, to walk through, you know what, one simple thing I think I shared before was, we try and live on, as a church budget, three out of four Sundays out of the year. The fourth is kind of a Joseph principle to set it aside. When I talk to a lot of leaders about that, or that come up in our church, you know what they're like, never heard that, never experienced that. But it was really what, what speaking of a coach, what my dad taught me. And um, I think to to teach that financial side is huge. That's great. And, uh, We've tried to do that.
1: That's great. How about you guys? Any forte that you have found yourself zoning in on with skills? I think um, a good coach is not going to let his team train
4: improperly. Wow. That's good. So if that you're doing true. a takedown, say you're working on a double leg, if you're shooting too far out or you're not shooting deep enough or, or you're not stepping in beside his left foot, to let him continue to train that way, when he gets into the match, he's going to blow it. He's, he's going to He's not going to get the – The takedown, and he could get himself in very big trouble and lose the whole match and so a good coach as pastors lead pastors you know watching watching our team to see are they getting the basics are they training right and i think that goes from money to ethics to time to appearance to are they walking with jesus are they uh, at the end of the day no matter what our skill set is we all have to be men and women of god yes living holy and sanctified lives that will give us leadership credibility and moral authority so i really want to train our team into are you developing a personal life with god are you taking time out beyond just at the church to seek and know the lord and is it you permeating that through your family yeah and then i do like to teach the skill set of speaking and preaching um, but i don't want to see them do training incorrectly yeah and so when the real things of life hit and it really is the match and they really are in the finals they blow it we don't want to see that we want to see everyone under us succeed
1: with all of god's that's so good with like training correctly because you think even like shooting form in basketball or like when when i would you know try to score goals in soccer if you don't have that uh ankle locked downward and if your head's not down, I mean, you're going to sky that ball. So, like, it's muscle memory. It's almost yeah. like spiritual, right. mental muscle memory, memory to some degree. David,
3: my, my coach used to say, Gene Snell that I referred to, he said his cliche was, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes, makes perfect. perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, the training side, keep uh, through the skill set, keep practicing the right way,
1: training the right way. Oh. So, that's a good thought. How about you guys developing skills, trainer? I
2: think because I've never gotten like, stuck in the mud, and I'm a forward thinker you know, for an older guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, uh, that's been a good way to train, train my people. I'll give it like a, maybe a baseball analogy. Um, growing up, the pitcher would pitch high. You know what I'm saying? Let me rephrase it. The pitcher would pitch low, and the hitter would swing level, mm-hmm. and you'd get a lot of ground balls. Maybe even some strikeouts. Well, it shifted right around that money ball time, you know, uh, maybe early 2000s. It shifted to where the players started swinging up. Mm. And they were, mm. getting that, they were getting that low pitch and hitting a ton of home runs. So the pitchers had to change to start pitching high. Oh, wow. All right. So there, there had to be an adjustment in, the, in how they were training. So now the pitchers are pitching 95 miles an hour at the letters. 20 years ago, you never pitched at the letters, mm. you kept the ball low, you know. And I just think that when it comes to ministry in general, you know, I, I think I've been, I've been a pretty good model to my team. You know, there are some areas where it's kind of like, oh, you know, he's not gonna change in that. But for, the <laughs> yeah. most, but for the most part, I'm open. I wanna hear what they have to say. I wanna learn, you know, new methods and, and new strategies and new techniques. Now, the one area I'm extremely weak in would be technology that is not my strength. So what did I do today? I brought my technological guy with me so he could watch your team because I can't teach him anything, right? <laughs> so he's hanging out with your guys today so that he can learn. Yeah, that's a great thought. Around.
1: When you don't have the skill yourself, yeah, recognizing, what yeah. what do you do? you yeah. got to bring somebody around you that Yeah, does. probably one of the
2: best compliments I ever got is, is from a guy that's on my team right now. He's my creative arts pastor, and he just said to me, he said, you're extremely well-rounded. Was trying to give me a compliment. meaning nice. You don't really have an area that you're extremely weak on, other than the technology. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty well-rounded, so I think that I can I can train the t- kids worker pretty well. Yeah. I can train the hospitality people pretty well. I can train uh, the small group people pretty well. I may not be an expert on any it, of it, but because I've studied all the matters for the most part and have served in those areas, I got something to say.
1: Yeah, that's great. And
0: train. Yeah, I always tell. Um, Anybody that wants to become a senior pastor, um, don't do it, no. Um, <laughs> I always tell anybody who wants to become a senior pastor, uh, become a staff pastor first, uh, at mm-hmm. least five years. And one thing I learned, and I was a uh, staff pastor for 16 years, mm-hmm. and one thing I, uh, the ability I had, uh, the openness or the open doors I had was I could learn so many things. during that time. I learned technology, I learned film, I learned youth ministry, I learned pastoral care. uh, I was made to do a lot of hospital calls even when I didn't want to do them. Um, I learned administration, I learned delegation. Uh, There was multiple things that my coach, which was my dad, uh, not only taught me but he gave me Uh, He sort of pushed me in these areas just to learn multiple things, Um, not realizing that I don't think um, I would have been able to endure here at Emily City if it wasn't for all those things. You
1: were training well to gain the skills necessary.
0: And, And so one of the negatives about hiring within is... They don't have any giftings. They don't have any, uh, I I shouldn't say no giftings. They don't have any experience. They don't have any experience. And so I lean on a lot of what I have been taught from film to technology to administration to business uh, and so on. Um, I teach each one. I have taught each one. I've taught, you know, many people know I have, my three sons work for me. You know, you're my youth pastor. And uh, I have three spiritual sons that work for me. And so uh, I've, especially my spiritual sons, I have trained really all six of my pastors, but especially my spiritual sons, because my three sons have had the um, opportunity to grow up in the ministry. And again, I trained you guys on, on, um, on the way up you know, yeah. growing up and uh, going through the experience. And so um, I, I, first of all, I would say to, if there's any staff pastors that are listening right now, uh, don't rush into senior pastoring. Don't rush into it. Um, many times the, your staff position, but then I, I, I was just talking to one staff guy. Uh, he, he's not, I shouldn't say a staff guy. Uh, he wants to be a staff pastor uh, last week. And I said, during this season, learn as much as you can, and because he started off saying, "Well, should I be a youth pastor? Should I?" No, just learn it all. Right. Learn it all, and uh, and so uh, I have become a coach, yeah, in in multiple uh, aspects of, but I've had to because again, raising up through the church, yeah. pastor Well, you're
1: sharing that with. Uh... You know, with being on staff for 16 years, and you are having to do all these things you didn't want to do, but ultimately you were being trained the right way, learning the skills. I think of like uh, the Karate Kid with Mr. Miyagi, yeah. and it's like it doesn't make sense in the moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my dad. It doesn't would make told, sense. Uh, oh yeah.
0: My dad would show tell me off the floor. I know. My dad <laughs> would tell me to uh, go to the hospital calls and or being do these meetings. I. I just hated some of that stuff. But that is what um, embedded the shepherd yeah. in me. And, uh, but I lean on that now.
1: Yeah. I lean on it. So I, I right. think of that movie when he's doing it, he has no idea why he's yeah, washing. Yeah, and yeah. then the one time as he comes in, he just, <laughs> he just stops it, you know what I mean? It's yeah. almost like that's learning how to train well. I think of like with wrestling those, yeah. those repetitive moves that you can Feel make it. and you know exactly well, so. how to do it every time. So you get the coach, as the leader, the coach, as the trainer, let's talk about the coach as the mentor. Because I, I think we referenced it a little bit here earlier. You said you had uh, no self-control and no confidence. That's the thing is, you can have all the skill set, but if you have no confidence. So many times, I think the most valuable thing a coach can become is not just training you skills, but realizing you have all the skills necessary and helping them bring it out. But more than that, if you have all the skills. But they can't mentally adjust. If they, if they got stuff going on at home or what, whatever's going on, none of that can actually come forth. So can you guys just maybe walk me through either give me some examples or some thoughts of either how to or when you know you need to become the mentor as the coach. So you see like somebody has a little skill set and I got to work on that or I got to lead direction. But at what point do you know like they have what it takes, they have it there. Man, if they just need that mentoring aspect to, from me, man, they would go.
4: I think I think the mentoring aspect has, starts <laughs> out is the coach has to let them in the game. Yeah. So when I That's was good. working for Dean Grable, wow. he let me in the game. He let me preach. He let me do some leadership things. He allowed that even though I had no track record of success. Hmm. I was at one church for nine months. It did not go well. That's all I had to offer him. But he mentored me in that. I think he would be a great preacher. You're going to preach every once Sunday night a month. I'm like, <clears throat> crazy i can't do that oh i'm sure you can we'll work on it we'll help uh-huh. so i think for lead pastors you gotta let your staff in the game you can't mm-hmm. say someday 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 yeah. you'll be ready just gotta let them in and let them go for it you know and uh that really helped me and that's what i want to model to our staff that's great is to coach them to where i'm gonna decide i'm gonna put them in
1: you know i think it's a great thought put me in coach
4: put me in coach yeah. all right all right you're in and uh and then help them through that, especially those first times that they're not just walking into a blind, but let's talk about where you're going or, you know, I've helped them and mentored them by maybe their first few, few sermons actually, you know, sharing the topic or the series we're in assigning the topic, give them a little direction. So they just don't have to come up with it. If they're not experienced doing that, it's helped them out. And then circle back and just rave about it when they're done. And, um, you know, celebrate, didn't, when that, when that amazing message last week while I was gone or so-and-so preached yeah. it's great. and the congregation
3: really,
1: really rejoiced with That's them. That's great, I think those are great thoughts. What do you guys think?
3: On the mentoring side, I think uh, Nate's spot on, David. I think a, a good coach slash mentor is able to see the weak part of a man or a woman's game. On a sports side, you know what? my coach would say, what? <clears throat> hey, you're right-handed. You ought to work twice as much on your left hand to be able to go both ways. So to take Nate's example, when he's constructively criticizing, mentoring, you know what, okay, your your points are excellent. Your hermeneutics, your background study about the life of Christ in that region is great. Here's where you need to str- strengthen your your Delivery. You need to apply it. Make the transition from the background. How does how does it minister to us? Two thousand years later. Quite honestly, like for that, I was in my early 30s before I started to learn to apply. I could do background, but it was it was people in my life saying, "Okay, that's what it meant back then." But what does it mean to me today? And it was people that loved me that. Uh, were influencing my life, that exactly what Nate said. We're able to assess, here's your weak point, and mentor me through it. Let's make the application. And that can go for any part of ministry. You know, what uh, do you, uh, are you able to handle conflict resolution? Mm-hmm. If I was talking to guys and gals out there and in, uh, in, um, online, I would say, learn that. That uh, I don't have a lot of stories about, man, somebody was off doctrinally, but to be able to straighten people out and help them mentor them through conflict resolution, how do you work through when people have disagreements? Those are great skills great to be able to mentor people on yeah. is
2: just what you've gone
1: through, right? Yeah, that's really good. That's really good.
2: Yeah, I'd probably add to that, um, You know, going back to that well-rounded thing, uh, I think there's a strategic mistake that's being made in a lot of our churches you know, it's kind of like, and I like the concept of strength-based, and you know, where are you gifted? That's where you're going to serve. I think long-term, that's what you want. Right. But I don't think short-term you do, and I right. surely don't think when they're young or young in the Lord. Right. Eventually, we're going to get you where your strength is. If you're going to be a great preacher, we're going to get you there. Great worship leader, we're going to get you there. We're going to be great with kids, whatever that might be, hospitality, technology, the list goes on. But we, we do it too soon, and we don't develop the other areas of their life that are real weak. whether it's their character, their people skills, their organization, right? and the list goes on and on and on. So I think where I've been a pretty good mentor and I try to focus on is I'm gonna make you well-rounded and then eventually we are gonna get you in the right seat of the bus. But when you get to that right seat of the bus and you're there for 12, 15, 18 years, you're a well-rounded godly man or woman of God who's pretty good at these other things. You can hang in these other areas,
0: but you're gonna shine right here because that's where you're called.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think that's a great idea.
0: All the above. (laughs) But I think the the big area that Tammy and I, mom and I, have done so well in is just um, in just the basics. Um, uh, We have a marriage series once a year, you know, that we preach together. And um, I think today, and you know, I don't know if I have a sermon that I don't talk about marriage. And uh, it's, to me, it's all about building that foundation, building that foundation, building that foundation. And, and so, trying to build that for our volunteers, um, but to show it, to yeah. mentor through action, to mentor through, I think Nate said it a while ago, maybe at our conference, uh, he said, I'm gonna, I take every opportunity to, um, to highlight Wendy and yeah. to lift up Wendy, I do That's the great. same. Every, she hates it. Uh, (laughs) Mom, you know, Tammy hates it. Uh, There was a African-American pastor that came to our church a while ago and and called her the fragrance of the church. Nice. (laughs) And so now we call her the fragrance. Yeah. But she she hates that. (laughs) Um, But to mentor men to uh, wash your wife's feet, to mentor men where the Bible says Christ treats the church, or um, uh, oh, to gosh. the husband, treat uh, the treat your wives as Christ treats the church, and uh, to mentor men in that way. Uh, I d- I have done that from day one. Uh, that has really paid off in our volunteers, in our leadership, in our um, uh, in our team, and so on. And so put it into action sometimes it's not altogether the words we say but put things in action yeah. and uh mentor for, uh those those areas in those directions
1: yeah so the coach as a leader as a trainer as a mentor let's just like wrap this whole thing up give me some quick tips that you give people of how they can become a better coach and I think we keep reiterating this we want to see people even at a young age start learning how to be a coach sometimes that means you don't play the game you let others play the game and I think when we're younger we want to play the game right right. oh I do you guys did um want to play the game now you're saying hey I'm gonna let other people play the game I'm gonna coach them in it but I think teaching that that coaching heart just give me some quick tips rattle them off anything that comes to your mind that you would say here's how you can become a great coach
3: I think you ask guiding questions. You know, what What are you seeing out there? What, what, what do you sense we need? Good. And uh, constantly be leading them.
4: Love that. Yep. Coach in the moment, what the other person needs to hear at just the right moment, or what the coach needs to say. Moments matter, I like
2: that.
0: Go ahead, brother, I got one at the end. Be yourself, be yeah. yourself. Listen, listen, and as you listen, then empower them to be a coach also. And I would say it's okay to preach to the multitudes
2: and inspire them and challenge them and encourage them. When it comes to specifically coaching, get a few. Okay. You know, just we're just trying to coach 60 people and coach three or four. Real quick, uh, I believe the greatest football coach ever was a guy named Bill Walsh of the 49ers in the 1980s. It's not because he won the most Super Bowls. Um, it was because he had the most we'll call them successful uh, people that were once on his staff that went on to win Super Bowls. Mm, you know, good. you look at Bill Belichick of the Patriots right now, it's one more Super Bowls and arguably he's the greatest coach, but I like Walsh because if you look at his tree of yeah. success, you think, man, that guy knew what he was doing. He poured into a few good men and won a lot of other Super wow. Bowls down the, down the line kind of a thing. That's a really and I think fun. from a pastoral perspective, I want to see guys and girls in the ministry who go on to make disciple makers.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's that beautiful. when I hear that, it makes me think of like what you've been able to do too. How God's used you with seeing many sent out from your ministry. That's awesome.
2: It, it's and it
3: goes back to what we did in a previous episode, uh, David, the to father. Mm-hmm. and have some spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. It's, yeah. It works it's in so the kingdom. Awesome.
1: It is. I want to have you close out on prayer in a second. But again, we just want to remind you, if you're watching, if you're listening, uh, we're so thankful that you're tuning in. Hopefully this is blessing you, encouraging you, and equipping you. And if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, if you have anything you would love to hear us discuss, would you go to Equip? Uh, email us at equip at gwafamily.com or go to gwafamily.com slash equip. Hey, would you just pray if over all these Future coaches, current coaches, people that are going to have legacy with their Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah spiritual <laughs>
2: Super Bowls. Spiritual That's Super what I'm Super pray for. for. I like it. Jesus, thank you for uh, yes. believing in us.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you for being a discipler, a mentor mm-hmm. to us, to seeing uh, gifts in us when we didn't see them. And you, Jesus, you... You yes, raised okay. men and women to speak into our lives and to coach Thank us, you, Lord, for the God, and we're churches. grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you help us, not just here in this panel right now, God, but mm-hmm. everybody listening, help us to be like you, Jesus, mm-hmm. where we begin to believe in others and see others yep. uh, reach their spiritual potential in Christ Jesus. Would you, Lord? And Lord, Father God, we just are grateful for your faithfulness, and we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Amen.